say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Again, everyone, time once again for the Silver Bullets podcast. I'm Michael Citro, and I'm Chip Minnick. And Chip, the Buckeyes are now at the two-thirds mark of the season and still undefeated after defeating the Penn State Nittany Lions. And uh, that was a game that was uh, one of those that we kind of talk about all the time. Where it's uh, annoyingly close uh, for a long time, and then Ohio State gets it figured out, and uh, goes on and wins. I'm happy that the game obviously turned out in Ohio State's favor. I'm not surprised, kind of what I wrote about uh, for Land Grant Holy Land in my three things to watch, that the game was as close. I I mean, I didn't have the the score correct, but it it came out pretty close, and I'm I'm just still very, very relieved that it was was a – Noon kick, uh, noon kickoff versus a night game because I think that that definitely played a factor. Yeah, forty-four to thirty-one was the final. I did not think that Ohio State would be giving up thirty-one points in this game, and and really the 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 late touchdown, the late cosmetic touchdown, kind of uh, papered over the final score a little bit. But um, you had thirty-eight twenty-one, and I had I had thirty-eight twenty. So we both felt like this would be the week that. Ohio State finally was kept under 45 points in a in a conference game, and they were barely, uh, basically just because uh, they missed a field goal, 50-plus yard field goal, and also at the end of the first half, whatever that was happened. Well, I, I'm sure we'll talk about that in much greater detail because there were a lot of frustrating aspects of this game. Yeah, so you will win the score prediction this week because we both had the same Ohio State score, and you had one point more on the uh, on the Penn State side. And uh, like I said, it's it was like a it was it was like the uh, the game show. Price is right. You come come in with one dollar more. Well, I, I'll I'll put that year supply of of turtle wax or rice aroni to good use. There you go. I like rice aroni, but I haven't had it in a long time. Do they still make it? <laughs> I'm not sure. Good, very good question. That was a big one in our household. We we had that a lot. All right. So let's start off with a little bit of Ohio State news. Of course, to nobody's surprise, JT 
Tui Moloau is the defensive player of the week in the Big Ten, had a monster game, and he was also uh, uh, honored with the um, Walter Camp National Player of the Week. So a couple of couple of big awards for JT. We'll talk, of course, a lot about some of the plays he made in this game, but overall thoughts on uh, the standout defensive end in this game. I would say that you and I, as well as our fans, have been wanting a dominant defensive line performance in the tradition of the Bosa brothers and Chase Young. And we got it uh, far, far, probably a far greater uh, performance than any of us could have possibly anticipated. Yeah, with JT emerging this week and the last two weeks of, of Zach Harrison's play, I think we may be seeing a little bit of a redemption season for Larry Johnson's uh, defensive ends. Yeah. And again, you know, I, I, I think, you know, credit, credit the scheme, but I, I do think that, you know, it was always, we've talked about this ad nauseum, uh, you know, for the last couple of years, actually, you know, like all oh, the defensive line got so close, so close, so close. And then mm-hmm. finally, like you said, the last couple of weeks, it seems like they're starting to actually, get to the quarterback and, and start to wreak havoc. Yeah. And even when they're not getting to the quarterback, they're making plays and it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's nice to see uh, some of the plays that were made in this game. were just tip tip. One was a tip ball and one was just plucking it out of the air. So even if you don't get home, you can still make a play. And that's what they did in this game. Um, another thing that I wanted to mention chip was the, uh, the Buckeyes are favored by 36 points heading into Northwestern. So that's, that's interesting. They did not cover against Penn state because of that late touchdown. Right. Uh, to cover the, 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 the first aspect of Northwestern, I, I am not the gambling type, uh, mm-hmm. but I feel very confident as I sit here that I, I feel, I feel confident that Ohio state will cover that spread against Northwestern. Uh, getting back to the latter part of your statement about Ohio State not covering the spread against Penn State, I mean, as you noted, they certainly would have if not for that last touchdown uh, that Penn State scored. You know, in terms of you know being able to cover the spread. Yeah, uh, Ryan Day said this week. Uh, in fact, today I believe it was that uh, Saturday wasn't about trying to get style points, and I think everyone who watched the game would not be surprised by him saying that because there weren't any style points to be had playing like that. No, there was a definite absence of style. Put it that way. (laughs) Yeah. At least uh, for like three quarters of the game, it was a lot more of a struggle than it seemed like it needed to be. Uh, And then finally, uh, you know, and I, you and I are not the big recruit Knicks, but um, pretty big, I think to get a four-star defensive tackle out of Georgia to come to Ohio state. And Caden McDonald was uh, committed today for 2023 class, and he's 300 pounds and very highly regarded. And, and we might we might have another Big Daddy uh, Dan Wilkinson on our hands. Yeah, like you said, we're, we're not necessarily you know the the recruiting experts on the site, uh, but when it comes to uh, you know considering we're recording this on the evening of Halloween, you know trick or treat. You know, so this is, you know, for example, uh, the treat aspect, you know, for Ohio State to get a prominent interior defensive lineman uh, from Georgia 
uh, you know, so you're talking deep in the heart of SEC country. He could have gone from what I understand to not only like Clemson and Georgia and a number of other programs. I, I believe he had about 40 different scholarship offers. So that's a credit to Larry Johnson and the Ohio state staff for being able to go deep in sec country and get a very promising interior defensive lineman to add to the roster. Yeah, indeed. So let's get into the Buckeyes against the Nittany Lions in happy Valley. This one started off uh, okay for Ohio state. They uh, get on the board first with a field goal. And of course, again, it was a, one of those short yardage uh, turnarounds and uh, not doing too well with those sudden changes uh, in the last couple of games, but they get on the board early on the road, which is good. And then they, uh, they made it two scores and it seemed like early, early on, we might have uh, avoid that, you know, game, that type of game that we've come to know from Penn state, which is, you know, it's always, it's always closer than it seems like it needs to be at times. But my, when Mayan Williams ran for four yards and made it 10, nothing, it's everything to that point had gone Ohio state's way. Yeah. Ohio state was definitely off to a promising start. Uh, it certainly seemed as though the opportunity to completely take the, the crowd out of the equation was there in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And that was of course, uh, a first quarter that was aided by a deflection uh, from JT to Moloow that was intercepted by Zach Harrison. So uh, it was always nice to uh, it's always nice to pick off Sean Clifford. Don't ever leave us, Sean Clifford, four more years. Uh, I think that's wishful thinking on your part. You know, we 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 just can't can't say uh, we can't quit you. <laughs> we can't can't quit you, Sean Clifford. You stay around. So everything was in good shape until uh, the Nittany Lions found J.K. Johnson. Uh, Parker Washington caught a relatively short pass, and both Tanner McAllister and J.K. Johnson neglected to tackle or wrap up, as uh, our, uh, of course, uh, Chris Spielman would say, got to wrap up, young man. And neither one did. Parker Washington went 58 yards to the house in a, a a pretty subdued Beaver Stadium after a 10-0 first quarter suddenly had new life, and, and it really stole momentum back for the Nittany Lions. Like I said a moment ago, I think anytime that you can take the, the crowd out of the equation, especially in a notoriously difficult atmosphere like Beaver Stadium, you want to do that. And as you said, you know, McAllister, uh, J.K. Johnson, uh, not wrapping up, all it did was just give them, you know, the swing, the momentum squarely to Penn state's favor. It seems like I'm seeing this more and more and more where guys just want to go for the kill shot and not do the fundamental part of tackling. And, and in this day and age, when everybody's hitting the weight room, everybody's strong, everybody has good balance running into guys is not enough to knock them down anymore. You could get away with that in high school, but at this level, you got to wrap them up and take them to the ground. I agree with you. I think it's a very good point. So hopefully they will work on that uh, this week in in practice, and that will become a focal point because you know it's, it seems to me that a lot of teams around the country that have good defenses, part of the reason they're good defenses is they don't miss tackles. Look at the Iowa Hawkeyes, for example. Right, Iowa definitely demonstrated a few weeks ago when we were 
previewing that game and then in the aftermath, uh, the fact that like yards after the catch was not really a thing against Iowa because of what you just said that they they make a point of okay they might give you the, the they might give you the reception but they're not they're not going to let you you know have uncontested yardage after that they're they're going to be fundamentally strong in bringing you to the ground yeah and we've seen in years past when Wisconsin and Northwestern have had good defenses that they have also tackled very well and that's partly why they had good defenses and when you have the athletes at Ohio State has I mean all you have to do is I mean you're already you already have a talent advantage just do the fundamentals and and you're going to be fine so that was a big play in the game like I said it changed momentum Penn State ended up actually taking the lead after that on a 23 yard pass so uh, the Buckeyes were suddenly behind in a game that they had been sort of had it in control early and uh, Lambert Smith catches at 23 yards from Clifford. And uh, now, you know, now when that score is flashing on TVs across the country, people are going, Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I, I, I definitely think it was one of these things where Ohio state definitely allowed Penn state to get back into the game unnecessarily because of just poor fundamentals in, in terms of tackling. Yeah. Buckeyes tacked on a Noah Ruggles 37-yard field goal to make it 14-13. Drives were bogging down in the first half. And, you know, a lot of that is down to not running the ball well, uh, not running the ball when they know you're going to run the ball. And this is something that Ohio State has been able to do in the past is to run when they know you're going to run it. But with a defense like Penn State's, um, they can – shoot gaps they can they can create some problems I, I think that the play calling in the first half was very suspect they uh, Ryan Day defended his uh, his wide receiver screen passes as part of the running game but those screen passes were not being well blocked and even if fundamentally the call wasn't a problem because if you get it out there and make the block you've got the defense flanked when you're unable to make that block all you're doing is putting yourself behind the chains yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk about Cade Stover in a positive light, but that that it certainly seemed like he was struggling with 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 the blocks and yeah, I mean, there are certain things where in terms of predictability that Ryan Day just has certain tendencies and wide receiver screens unfortunately are one of them, uh, a stubbornness to recognize that he needs to do something differently. I mean, this is something I, I think if there's anything that Ohio state fans have a legitimate reason to be irritated with Ryan day about, uh, you know, the, the wide receiver screen that we re- saw repeatedly on Saturday to very, uh, very poor results. It kind of reminded me almost like of a couple years ago in the big 10 championship game against Northwestern, uh, continually throwing the ball when it was blatantly obvious, just keep giving the ball to, to Trey Sermon and good <laughs> things would happen. Yeah. Uh, you know, and eventually, you know, it, it, he figured it out, you know, as it related to not only that game, but this game that, that Penn state was, was leaving the middle of the, of the field wide open, you know, for Marvin Harrison and Cade Stover and others to have success. Yeah. And, and when we, when I talk about the, play calling uh, there was a good graphic that land grant holy land uh, site twitter account posted about the running rate for ohio state and 
it was a hundred percent when they lined up in the pistol or or ran or, or lined up under center or CJ Stroud was under center, hundred percent of the time they ran the ball. It's a little bit of a tell. Very much a tell. And there has to be hopefully some introspection done by Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day that okay, I you know, put your players in the in the best position to succeed. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we were talking about like with Mayan Williams. Um, getting that running game to be functioning at a much better rate than it has the last two games is going to be a high priority over the next few weeks uh, because it's it's definitely something that Ohio State has to do better than they have over the last couple of games. They found some things in the running game in the fourth quarter of this game, and um, and Tra- uh, Travion Henderson was able to to hit one of his patented home runs that we haven't seen in a while. And uh, and then had also another nice run around the edge that was well blocked from from Mitch Ro- uh, Rossi. So, uh, but getting to this now to the end game of the first half, it was a one point game. Ohio State went right down the field and uh, had to convert a fourth down to get there. Threw the ball to Marvin Harrison and got the ball inside the ten. Now at this point, a lot of Ohio State fans were confused because on the score bug on the TV broadcast it showed as Ohio state having one timeout remaining. And it turns out Ohio state did not have one timeout remaining. Even the, uh, even the live stats, the official live stats had a timeout showing for Ohio state at halftime. So there was some confusion as to what was going on in terms of the timeouts, but it seemed that Ryan day and CJ Stroud at least knew they didn't have any left because they didn't call one and they got up and spiked it. And there were six seconds left, but by not having that timeout, now you don't get to remind CJ, we're going to take a shot at the end zone. If it's not there, you've got to unload it quickly. And it's easy to get on CJ about the fact that he held the ball too long and double clutched and then fumbled. And even though Luke Whipler fell on it, time ran out and you didn't get to kick your field goal. You still got to remember this guy's only in his second year as a starter. Um, this was what uh, start number, what, 20? Something mm-hmm. like that. So, I mean, right. he's there's some things there that that still you know need to be ingrained in in him, and and that's something that I'm sure he he took personally because Ohio State should have been leading at the half uh, with a short Noah Ruggles field goal if that if that first read wasn't there. He needs to get rid of it. And there were there were problems again in this game, Chip, with getting the play call in on time to line up, see what the defense is doing, check with the sideline, and then run the play. They were running right up against the play clock the entire half and a couple of times uh, didn't make it. Yeah, as far as at the end of the first half, just to address that, and maybe this is a difference of opinion between you and I, and I mean, I would have I would have just kicked the field goal, in my opinion, six seconds. I understand at, at the half, uh, Urban Meyer said something like, well, five, five seconds is the line of demarcation. Okay, you know, say what you will. I... To me, I would I would have rather have taken the, the the points gone in. Granted, I would have preferred a touchdown, but I to me like six seconds, I would have I would have kicked the field goal. I agree with you completely about uh, you know in terms of you know CJ Stroud. Like this is a, a good learning experience. Getting to the other part, it was very very frustrating watching the game from home. Uh, and the the multiple delay of game penalties, you know the the issues they were having getting the play in. From what I understand, and I have to I have to plead ignorance here is from what I understand about Beaver Stadium. 
is that the play clock in terms of where I guess somebody would be looking for it. It's not, it's not as, I don't want to say that it's not visible, but it's not right. It's up high you know, rather than in the end zone corners. Of the right. End. So that might've been a, that might've been an issue. I'm not, I'm not saying, Oh, you know, that, you know, to kind of, you know, to your point, I think, you know, that's going back to what you mentioned a few moments ago is that, all right, CJ Stroud, this is basically, you know, like this is kind of, you know, his first exposure to that environment that, mm-hmm. you know, Ryan day, as well as the other people that are on the staff that have been there could have, could have made it a lot easier, you know, to cut down on, okay, Hey, you know, it's the play clock. It's going to be in a confusing spot. Uh, it's going to be, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to have to really work on getting the, the plays in much faster than they did against mm-hmm. Penn state. Well, and it's been an ongoing problem. It happened against Iowa. It's, it's happened before this season. They have not gotten, it's almost like Ryan day doesn't know what he's going to call. You know, you have, it's like chess. You have to be thinking, move ahead. If if we don't, if we get one to three yards, what am I going to call next? If we get five, six yards, what am I going to call next? If we get a first down, what's my next call? That has to be in the forefront of your mind. If you're the play caller and as a head coach, you have other things to worry about. So maybe that's weighing in on that and, and intruding on, on that thought process and slowing it down. But I mean, you can't blame a whole lot of, I don't think you can blame a whole lot of the the clock problems on where the placement of the clock was simply because they weren't even getting lined up until there were about five or four seconds left on the play clock. Very good points. Uh, and as for, you know, I don't, I, I will never, um, I will never have a problem with people who are more conservative than me in terms of how they approach a game and, and wanting to take those three points, but six seconds on the clock from where they were on the field, you got plenty of time to just go one read, throw it out the back of the end zone should take about four seconds. Should have plenty of time to come out and kick your field goal. So I don't have a problem with, with going for the touchdown in that situation. I think what urban Meyer said is probably right. And I've seen, I've seen that kind of be used in many games this year as sort of the, the line that delineates, whether or not you're going to go for the touchdown. Um, the Chiefs, I think, even did it with four seconds left once and, and ended up still being able to kick their field goal. So um, so you're a little more conservative. You're a little more trestle. Yep. <laughs> so that's fine. But we go into the halftime, Chip, and it's, uh, it's Ohio State trailing. And yeah. A lot to do. A lot to do in that second half. So uh, so they started doing it. They kicked a field goal in the uh, in the third quarter, made it 16-14 to take the lead. That was the only scoring of a very defensive-minded third quarter. But then Ohio State got things going in the fourth quarter. But first, before they could do that, they gave up another touchdown. And uh, this was a tough one because it happened on a fourth down play. And Tommy Eichenberg had his man in the backfield and just couldn't pull him down. And, and it's not really a, it wasn't a fundamentals problem. It was the guy is strong and had leverage and was able to pull away and made the play. Yeah. I thought for sure as, as the play was, was unfolding, I thought for sure that he had him in the back, in the, in the backfield. And then when you watch it, you know, in terms of, Oh, you know, the fact that kind of what we were lamenting earlier that he did not wrap up and, and, not taking shots at, at Tommy Eichenberg, I think 
you know, as you just said, um, that the, the back is, is pretty strong. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would have loved to have, have, you know, stop them for a, a loss there, you know, and, and no points, but yeah, that was, that was kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he had him, but you know, it's it, at that point, he's just reaching out and grabbing him. It's an arm tackle. And it's uh, it's a matter of uh, who's going to win that battle. And and Allen won the battle gets the one yard touchdown run, makes it 21 16. And then here come the Buckeyes because on the very next drive, Ohio state had no trouble uh, three plays, 75 yards. And again, uh, the, the aforementioned Travion Henderson home run ball going 41 yards to the house and it put Ohio state up uh, as it turned out for the rest of the game. And that was, I want to say in terms of that was a different run style play than, you know, like Travion Henderson, that like there was no dancing behind the line. I mean, like, I mean, he, he hit the hole clean and took off and was, was gone. And importantly, there was a hole that had been a problem in the <laughs> game. Um, I don't think the guards played particularly well in this game in terms of, of of helping and getting to the second level like they had had done to this point in the season. Um, I thought that the tackles looked okay for the most part, but the, the guards to me weren't really holding up. And uh, and some guys were getting blown up and pushed back into into the running lane, and and it was stopping plays before they really got going and. And I know it's easy to you're watching the, the game and what most people do when they watch a game is they watch the ball. So you're seeing the ball carry, you're seeing Travion Henderson uh, being indecisive and, and quote unquote dancing or, you know, trying to do something behind the line. But what he's seeing is I'm supposed to go there and there's no hole there. So now I have to reassess and figure out what I'm going to do. And, um, and that's that's what leads to the the indecision and the and the dancing around. But that's because those holes have not been as uh, as well blocked in in recent weeks. I think the offensive line's still a little bit of a work in progress. And I believe Matthew Jones might be battling injury. I'm not sure. I mean, like this is kind of just you know from, from what I have you know read or heard you know on on various social media channels is that matthew jones i mean he had his struggles but it might not necessarily be that he might not necessarily necessarily be 100 healthy Mm -hmm. and i did notice josh fryer out with the rest of the starters um in the second half of this game at times so um so you may that that may be absolutely what's going on so it was uh 23 21 uh buckeyes get the ball right back and Cade Stover catches 24-yard pass from C.J. Stroud, makes it 30-21. Now Ohio State's up two scores. Penn State adds a field goal to cut that back to six. Then you get another Travion Henderson run. There's a lot of points in this fourth quarter. Uh, And then uh, right then when it was 37-24, then came really the play of the game that put it away. Uh, J.T. Tuimolowal just discards his tackle can't get to the quarterback, so he jumps up, intercepts it, and takes it in to uh, for the pick six and makes it 44-24. And, again, credit to JT Tuimolowau because, as you said earlier, I mean, in terms of the, the pass deflection that was intercepted by Zach Harrison, the first interception, he actually dropped back into coverage. Uh, he had the, the sack on Sean Clifford that – was a you know a strip sack 
resulted in a fumble that was recovered. And then this interception, I mean, it was, I, I, I agree with something that I, I read. Um, it might've been Emmanuel Acho on social media saying that this might've been the most dominant defensive lineman performance since and Dominic and Sue in the, in the, you know, basically in like in the 2009 big 12 championship game. I mean, yeah. it, it was just that kind of one man wrecking crew. Yeah. I was trying to think on Saturday, what it reminded me of. And I know that um, maybe not with all the fancy turnovers to go with it, but I remember Chase Young had a big game against Wisconsin where he had like three sacks in a half. And uh, I think it was one of those games where it was close at the half and then Chase Young went off and he was getting like visibly held by two players on every down and he was still wreaking havoc in the backfield. So there was that. And then, of course, we both remember Chris Spielman having a few, you know, 20 tackle plus games uh, back in, in the day. So uh, but yeah, this is as far as filling the stat sheet, JT Tuimolo out. He filled the stat sheet. Uh, Easily. The, the bummer was the uh, Nittany Lions tacked on a, a cosmetic touchdown late. Katron Allen on a uh, short pass from Sean Clifford to uh to make the final score 44 31 44 24 looks a little better to the voters around the country i think yeah but i i i mean i give credit to penn state i think they're a better team than i think than than we anticipated i think you know speaking of the voters i think most people thought that they were not nearly that good after the the whooping that they took from michigan i think penn state's a, a really solid team yeah, they looked much better, and they're not. You know, I, I'm I'm following a little a few of these Penn State um, writers, uh, including Matt, who we had on last week, and uh, Ben Jones, and a few other people. And and there seems to be a consensus that Penn State is trying to build a team that can beat Ohio State. It's not trying to build a team that can beat Michigan, and that's what's showing up on the field. Well, unfortunately for them. You have to be able to do both. Yes, you do. Uh, you know, you have to be able to, you know, slug it out in the trenches and you have to be able to, I, I guess, you know, when it comes to with Ohio State, uh, you know, try to keep pace, if you will, uh, you know, because Ohio State, obviously, with with the wide receiver recruiting that Brian Hartline has been doing and, and will continue to, to do for the foreseeable future, um, you have to have a team that can do both. And yeah. uh, with USC and UCLA coming into the conference in 2024. You're going to have to figure out how is that that team built. Uh, so I think you have to have a little of everything. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, a lot was made about how Michigan beat Penn State much more handily. But, of course, that was in Ann Arbor. And uh, I didn't hear a whole lot of people talking about how Michigan had a lot more trouble with Michigan State on Saturday than Ohio State had uh, against the Spartans. Right. And I didn't, I, truth be told, I did not watch the entire game Saturday night. Yeah. Um, but I will say that, yeah, I mean, it, Michigan, their offense is formidable when it comes to running the ball and it, it is a concern. I'd be less than honest if I didn't say that, but by the same token, I think I'd be a lot more concerned if I was a fan of the Wolverines in the sense that if Ohio state shuts down the Wolverines running game, if the Wolverines passing game, trying to keep pace with Ohio state, I don't think that they can do it. Uh, I think Ohio state, you know, they they've shown, you know, now granted 
um, you know, against Iowa and against Penn State, um, you know, they they can regroup if their if their running game is not working to their their satisfaction. They can go to the passing game. I don't want to say almost exclusively, but things that they can figure out. I think the Wolverines would be in a lot more trouble if if the situation where they had to rely on the pass. Yeah. Uh, was good also to see Sean Clifford wasn't really able to do much damage with his legs in this game. Um, Ohio State pretty much had it covered. I thought that they they played a good sound defensive game and and you know you could look at see they gave up 31 points and it doesn't seem like it, but I thought that they played pretty well defensively throughout and and you know with the exception of the second quarter when Penn State made the big play and got some momentum going, they didn't do much throughout the rest of the game. No. Uh, and again, you know, let's give credit to the Ohio State defensive line frustrating Sean Clifford. Um, I know that as much as you want, you know, four more years of Sean Clifford, uh, you know, like they did at least harass him. <laughs> they did harass him into turnovers and mistakes. And I think, um, you know, the, the Ohio State defensive line really stepped up to make up for the, the deficiencies that we've seen from the Ohio state secondary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's check in on our picks to click and go through uh, the stats a little bit real quick before we move on from the Penn state game. And uh, we had um, Travion Henderson carrying 16 times for 78 yards and two touchdowns. Mayan Williams, only two carries for nine yards and a touchdown. And honestly, those guys both averaged over four yards a carry and, and Henderson almost five. So it's, uh, it's not like there was a terrible day running the football. They, they did what they needed to do. Uh, they just didn't, they didn't get a whole lot of, um, they didn't get a whole lot of yards in, in on plays where you knew they were going to run the football. And that's, I guess that's not that big a surprise on the road in that environment. First time that the team I think had gone with a silent count this year. And it really looked like, Penn State was teeing off at the snap uh, and Ohio State wasn't quite used to using that silent count. Yeah, and like you said, I think that there were certain tells with the running game. Mm-hmm. I think they have to get they have to get back to whatever they were doing in the first part of the season, you know, prior to the bye week because besides like you said, you know, like any time that they would line up in the pistol, you know, like it was, you know, like you knew full well, you know, in terms of that they were going to be running the ball. And um, I think they need to be a little bit more diverse. I, I mean, you know, I, I think that with Mitch Rossi, they have shown an ability to line up in the I formation and run the ball um, a little bit more effectively, uh, you know, because I think they're going to have to be creative. We don't know the extent of Mayan Williams injury uh, as of this recording. I'm of the belief that, Mayan Williams, he he tweeted out something that everything was okay or something yeah, like that. Yeah, said all Actually, good. All good. There you go. So I'm of the opinion that we are probably not going to be seeing Mayan Williams over the next couple of weeks. Um, in, in the in the with the idea that let's get whatever is ailing him healthy for the final couple games of the season because you know that you're going to need him. Uh, but getting back to the running game, I think that there needs to be some diversification. Yeah, well, there's uh, there's some some concerns because if Williams can't play, Dallin Hayden's been banged up a little bit also. 
And uh, now you're down to, uh, or was uh, the the backup also the 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 walk on who had such a good game early in the season is out for the year now, so you're running out of bodies. And like I said, you could you could put Xavier Johnson in there maybe, or uh, you could sit, see more of Chip Trayanum. Um, but uh, it, now Henderson staying healthy is a is of utmost uh, importance. And of course, you may not need to run the football as much against Northwestern. Uh, so if they don't need to use Mayan Williams, then they probably shouldn't use him. Um, on the other side of the ledger, Katron Allen had a, a decent day, uh, 12 carries for 76 yards, a 27-yarder for one of those, um, accounting for a, a, more than a third of his yardage. Uh, and then uh, the Buckeyes did a pretty good job on Singleton, 14 carries for 45 yards. Yeah, I mean, and I think I think he is definitely, he has a bright future for Penn State. Um, mm-hmm. I think, uh, Penn state, we, we talked about this, about like Drew Aller. I know that they're probably the, the, you know, after Sean Clifford had a lot of the, the turnovers and issues that we saw there, that the clamoring for Drew Aller is probably increasing, but I definitely think when it comes to, you know, Katron Allen, Nick Singleton, I think Penn state has a bright future running the football. Yeah. Uh, passing the football, C.J. Stroud was 26 of 33, no interceptions, 354 yards, and a touchdown. He was sacked twice. I think one of those two was avoidable, uh, where he was already outside the tackle box and could have thrown it away. But um, you know, all young quarterbacks have to get better at that. And uh, so C.J., I, I saw a lot of people, even people that write nationally for the Athletic, uh, saying how CJ Stroud struggled in this game. And I, I did not see CJ Stroud struggling in this game at all. I, I think he threw very few poor passes. He, he always had a high percentage throughout the game. The only problem with the offense not moving was those, those wide receiver screens were getting blown up and then they couldn't run the football when they, when they wanted to. Yeah, I, th- I definitely think CJ had, had a very good game. Um, you know, the points about the the wide receiver screens repeatedly being called and not succeed, succeeding, that's not CJ's fault. Uh, if there is a an area that I would like to see improvement, and again, maybe you have a different opinion, is um, seeing him if 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 a sack is going to be taking place to take it better. I think some of those you know, like trying to escape, like he, you know, in terms of trying to escape from, um, from a sack, he gave uh, up, you know, a great deal of yardage. I would have rather him go to the ground a little, a little sooner to kind of minimize the lost yardage. Yeah. Well, I mean, once you get outside, just throw this thing out of bounds and pass. Oh the, yeah. Pass the line. Absolutely. And you don't have to worry about how many yards you ran backwards. Uh, Sean Clifford was 32 of 47 with three interceptions and three touchdowns, and he was sacked three times. He also fumbled the ball. Uh, and then you go to Ohio State's receiving core, and that brings us to your offensive pick to click, which was Marvin Harrison Jr., who had 10 catches on 12 targets. Not bad. 185 yards. Not bad. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that he clicked. I he clicked. Guess. He I clicked. guess. <laughs> he, did not, he did not get yeah. into the uh, the end zone, but he did click. Uh, he, yeah, he definitely, I agree with Joel Klatt. I, I will say that I think he is definitely an all American. Um, I would be surprised if he does not get a tree in the Buckeye Grove, um, you know, as a result of, of his play this, this off season, because he's, he's 
been everything Ohio State fans could have wanted and more. Yeah, he's been fantastic. Cade Stover was targeted six times, had six receptions for 78 yards and a touchdown, made some nice moves on the touchdown uh, yards after catch. And um, honestly, this was I, I picked him last week as a pick to click, and he, he, he was short by a catch. But this week, I still would maybe have a hard time giving him a click because of that blocking. <laughs> Well, I now now I think you're being a little. I, I think you're just being a little harsh. I was gonna say, yeah, maybe he. Uh, you know, I I said after that, you know, not only um, I I agree the point well taken about you know some of the blocking issues, but that Travion Henderson long touchdown run that we referred to, he had two key blocks on that. He did, and I I joked with I joked with uh, Mrs. Minnick as we were watching, and I said. You know, watch these blocks. And I said, and when he gets home after tonight, he's going to go home and plow the back 40. Like, cause he's, <laughs> you know, he is definitely, he's definitely shown, uh, you know, his, his worth as a tight end, that, that touchdown reception. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if anything, I was thinking, believe it or not, I was thinking, I was like, I'm sure that Michael was, was cursing the fact, like, why wasn't this last week? Right. So well, he, um, He's already putting up better numbers than uh, Jeremy Rucker. <laughs> it was those guys have to be they they have to be burning up Kevin Wilson's phone line. Like where were these play calls last year or like when I was playing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I did call out Stover's seal block on the the run because, and I as I said, I, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna beat on him for for missing blocks on these uh, screen passes, I gotta give him credit where it's due, and he made a great block there. So. Uh, good day for Stover. Emeka Ibuka, six catches on eight targets for 53 yards. My pick to click did not. Julian Fleming caught two balls on three targets for just 27 yards. And Julian Fleming also missed some blocks on those uh, wide receiver screens. So uh, that was um, it was not a great day for Julian Fleming, who has been playing very well the last several weeks. But this was this was not his uh, best day. Well, the Penn State secondary, I want to, I, I will say probably that's probably the best secondary Ohio State is going to play until they get into, you know, hopefully we're talking, you know, like the, the college football playoffs. I mean, like that, that secondary is, is very solid. But yeah, I, I would say that this was not Julian Fleming's best game. Yeah. On the other side, Parker Washington had a really big day, 11 catches on 14 targets. For 179 yards and a touchdown, and uh, other than that, there wasn't a whole lot there for for Penn State. Mitchell Tinsley had five catches, but for only 24 yards. Uh, Brenton Strange had a quiet day. It was uh, Keandre Lambert Smith had a had two catches for 58 yards, and one was the touchdown. Um, it, there wasn't a lot there in the Penn State. Um, passing game outside of Parker Washington, but with his big day, they ended up with 371 yards receiving. Yeah. Parker Washington definitely was a bright spot for the Penn state offense without a doubt. And JK Johnson was a bright spot for Parker Washington. Well, (laughs) I, I mean, let's face it. I mean, the Ohio state secondary, they, they have their, their depth issues, Mm -hmm. injury issues. And I realize, you know, it's one of these things where Ohio state fans, you, you hate to see it and it's frustrating when you're going through it, but the only way that these guys get better is by playing. I always think of, uh, you know, when um, Ohio state went on the road to Michigan state and 
I think it was Gary and Conley was just getting roasted. I mean, like just completely roasted. And then like mm. Eli Apple, you know, cause he was battling injury. He came in and then made it better, but it's point I'm trying to make is that these guys, you know, like the, they have to have their, their rough moments in order to get better. You would just hope that it was not on that big of a stage, right. You know, for JK Johnson. And you know what? I will give credit where it's due though. The last two weeks, uh, Denzel Burke has not been a problem. No, he has not. He's bounced he back nicely. Uh, now, of course, uh, you know, one of those was against Iowa's offense, so we don't know how, <laughs> how well, what that means. Uh, hey, but you got you got to take it when you can get it. <laughs> That's right. Um, but, uh, yeah, J.K. Johnson had a tough game. He had it. He, he took that pass interference penalty on a third and 16 that kept a drive alive that had no business staying alive. I mean, that ball was not going to be completed. He just panicked. Um, and uh, and then he he left a, a couple guys kind of wide open. So other than the the non-tackling issue, he 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 had a tough day uh committing penalties and and not covering well. So uh he'll have better days, that's that's for sure, but hopefully we can get to get some healthy bodies back. Um I took Tommy Eichenberg as a surprise uh move uh, for my pick to click. And uh he had 15 tackles and a quarterback hurry and uh he led the defense in tackles. So I'm going to take that as a click. And Not a problem. You, my friend, took Tanner McAllister, three tackles, and a combined whiff on Parker Washington. I'm going to not give you a click for that one. That's fine. That's completely fine. I, you know, and speaking of picking you, since you've got the stats in front of you, how did Ronnie Hickman do this week? Because he uh, seemed to like he was around the ball a lot. Yeah, Ronnie Hickman did well. He had six tackles, two solo, four assists, and uh, he forced a fumble. Uh, that was one that, um, unfortunately, Penn State fell on. That was uh, right at the goal line. Uh, I, I don't know what was going on with the referees. They decided that one team, when they were near the goal line, were, that one team could have a touchdown and the other team could not, regardless of where the <laughs> ball was. Uh, because Mayan Williams pretty clearly looked in on on first glance uh to me and i'm not the umpire standing in the back of the end zone watching him run at me yeah i like us yeah i mean it was it was definitely some puzzling officiating calls <laughs> on saturday for uh, sure and hickman also uh had three pass breakups so yeah big big day for ronnie hickman he had a nice nice game uh, steel chambers also had a nice game it was uh, uh really all across the defense it, it, there's only a few guys you could pick on and we've already talked about them Right. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, I kind of point the reason I was asked about Ronnie Hickman is I had picked him previous week and then it seemed like he came up big this week, kind of how you had picked Kate Sober to come up big. Mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, we were just a week premature. Uh, the vaunted Penn State secondary chip, only two pass breakups all day and uh, one quarterback hurry and no interceptions. But to their credit, they were blowing up those wide receiver screens pretty effectively. They were, and that was awful nice of them to leave that middle of the field open for Marvin yep. Harrison to put up some big yards. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Penn State is in the books. That was uh, largely viewed as the toughest game on the road this season, and now all that remains is the toughest game at home this season, which is, of course, the game. Right. And... You know, Ohio State, they, they've got a couple of weeks. I don't want to say that, you know, 
winning is winning is tough. I mean, it, it's, you know, college football. I mean, it, it's one of these things you never want to presume that, you know, those games all oh, that, that look so, so easy that, you know, you can just sleepwalk through them. There are some areas for improvement. I mean, you talked about the, the running game, the secondary, uh, you know, the offensive line. I mean, there's definitely some areas where Ohio state can, can use these so-called, I'll just say weaker opponents over the next couple of weeks to work on the things that need improvement before the game comes to, comes to pass at the end of November. Yeah. I mean, these are the games that I, I always think the coaches have to love them because they win, but they still have a lot of things that they can yell at their players about all week and show them <laughs> game film. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, then we will turn our attention to the Northwestern Wildcats and our uh, weekly walk through the Big Ten. We're going to get to that right after this. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void or prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus All right, Chip, we are back. And of course, another week in the Big Ten, some more um, some more off weeks for some folks. But uh, so we didn't have a full slate, but uh, it's always good to look around and see what else is going on in the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, checking out the competition, keep an eye on the Western Division because you never know what they're doing, those sneaky Western Division teams. And of course, uh, that team up north, it's always good to keep an eye on what they're doing because, uh, again, they are they are very sneaky. Well, kind of what we talked about, um, the, the Michigan-Michigan State game, um, the Wolverines had their issues against the Spartans. I mean, they it wasn't a surprise that they won. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Michigan State played them much I, much more competitively than I think most people anticipated. I mean, it is a rivalry game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, um, again, I think the Wolverines you know, in terms of like, if there would be a concern is that, you know, like they had to settle for field goals in the red zone against Michigan state. They did. Uh, so that's definitely something that, you know, would be concerning to me if I was a fan of that team up North. Yeah, there, I, I watched, well, we'll just go ahead and start with that game since we've already talked a little bit about it, but that was the night game in the big house and uh, the final was 29 seven to Michigan, uh, not a terribly convincing win over a one and four in the conference, Michigan state team. But like you said, they're, they're rivals. They, they get up for the game. They're up for the challenge and they kept it close. 
and they kept they they kept Michigan's you know, Michigan was able to run the football until they got in the red zone, and then Michigan State seemed to flex a little bit, and and the Spartans were able to stop the run. I kind of expect that that might be how it goes against Ohio State. I, I feel like they might be able to get some yardage between the twenties, and then once they get in the red zone, you know, Ohio State is going to force JJ McCarthy to make some plays. Right, and JJ McCarthy, I, I mean. You alluded to, you know, Sean Clifford not being a factor as much, uh, you know, from what I've, I've seen of JJ McCarthy, he definitely is a threat, you know, in terms of design quarterback runs, as well as like, if, uh, when he drops back to pass, if he feels the pressure being able to take off. So that Mm -hmm. is a concern. Um, but what I've seen of him passing, I, I think, again, I think the, the Michigan passing game for all of Ohio state's struggles in the secondary, I feel much more confident uh, in that area than I, I probably would have, uh, you know, be, before I saw Saturday night against Michigan state. Yeah. I mean, and he's a young quarterback. He, he does miss some throws. He missed some in this game that he had guys open. Um, but uh, yeah, Michigan state was able to keep this thing from getting out of hand. It, in fact, they, they led very early in the game. Uh, but uh, Michigan State's offense was not very good. Uh, Peyton Thorne didn't have a whole lot of time to throw. He wasn't really able to find Reed. And, you know, he did have a, a nice game for Coleman. Uh, he was just basically throwing it up high, and Coleman was going up over guys and getting it. So um, that might be a good uh, sign for maybe Cade Stover to have some success against Michigan secondary. Right. Exactly. I I, I think the, the Michigan secondary definitely – I'd be a little bit more concerned about how they're going to match up against Ohio state. Yeah. So the Wolverines stay unbeaten five and zero in the big 10, eight, no overall. And of course a top five team that is very trendy to put in the final four for people who are, are doing their uh, college football playoff uh, prognosticating, I guess. Uh, but uh, right now this is all going to come down to the game in November and whoever wins that game has, uh, I wouldn't say a free pass, but I would say they have a very good opportunity to be in the, the final four. The loser of that game might have an outside shot, depending on what uh, what else happens everywhere else. Right. I mean, we'll we'll start to see a little bit more clarity after this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tennessee, Georgia, you know, that's that's going to, depending on how that shakes out, is going to have a definite impact on the SEC East. Yeah. Um LSU, Alabama, LSU could deliver the knockout punch to Alabama, give them, you know, Alabama, their second loss of the season. You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like you said, you know, like depending on how that the game winds up in terms of, it, is it really close? Is it going to overtime? All these things that we have seen, it's entirely possible that the loser may not necessarily be eliminated. Yeah. And TCU and Oregon are out there lurking. Uh, as well. So uh, the Illinois fighting Illini went to Nebraska. And uh, in the end, it was, it was a little bit of a slog for a quarter and a half, maybe even a half, but uh, Illinois comes away with a 26 to nine victory over Nebraska and Nebraska. Really? I didn't watch the entire game, but I, I saw some pretty decent chunks of this game and Nebraska was its own worst enemy in this game. There was a, uh, uh, I, I know they're running back. Uh, Grant was uh, 
he had a play where he was he was in the clear, looked like he had his first down, and then cut and ran parallel to to the line to make and ended up short. And then on the third down play, he they didn't make it. So they ended up having to punt. And that always drives me crazy when, you know, as a spectator is, is like, just lower your shoulder, get your one and a half more yards instead of trying to break this into a big play. Because as you, you just gave the Illini back the ball because you didn't want to, you know, fight for that yard essentially. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a, like you I, I like the way that you referred to it as a slog. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nebraska certainly had, their opportunities to make this a more competitive game. They did. But I am become I am becoming more and more impressed with Illinois. I think um, they are obviously the 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 clear favorites right now to win the Big Ten West. And I realize um, there's still I don't want to say a lot of football to be played, but there's <laughs> some some decent games to be had uh, between now you know and the end of November, and mm-hmm. a game that is starting to gain more and more. I'll just say notoriety for me is the weekend of November 19th, because Illinois goes to Ann Arbor to play Michigan. And I think that that game is going to, I think it's going to be a physical rock'em sock'em type game that both Bielema and Harbaugh want. And I'm kind of curious to see if there's going to be any after effects on the Wolverines as they try to prepare for a game against the Buckeyes. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm really wanting to see that one as well. Uh, another big day for Chase Brown. Uh, Chase Brown ran for 149 yards and a touchdown of 32 carries. It's it's clear that he may not have any legs left when the season ends. They're just, just going to keep giving him the ball. He's definitely a workhorse. Uh, but Tommy DeVito in this game, 20 of 22, 179 yards and two touchdowns. He's not having to air it out much, but he was very efficient in this game. That's exactly it, is that I think Bielema is very content to just utilize that running game. If it if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of mentality that he that he has. Now, granted, I mean, he might be regretting that in terms of, as you just said, you know, Chase Brown might not have a lot of tread on the tires, uh, you know, in the latter part of November. Um, but I think they are they are trying to reduce the amount of work that Tommy DeVito needs, like by just simply relying on that running game and it's working for them very, very well. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota, uh, they got Tanner Morgan back and uh, they destroyed Rutgers 31, nothing at home. And uh, this was never a game. It was zero, zero after the first quarter, but after that it was, uh, it was all Minnesota. Ibrahim ran for 159 yards and three touchdowns. And uh, Rutgers is uh, is fading. Yeah, I it's unfortunate for Greg Schiano. I know that uh, you know it's one of these things where they were probably looking to try and build upon how they did last year. Uh, you know, some of the games that that they thought that they were going to win uh, that they haven't. I mean, getting to that magic number six, I think, is going to be too much for Rutgers. And as far as Minnesota. Yeah, T- Tanner Morgan's return, uh, and as you said, you know Mo Ibrahim. I mean, he's so effective running the ball. I think you know Minnesota's trying to get back in the Big Ten West, but it might be a little too late. Yeah, and I'm not sure if the quarterback mattered that much, but I, I 
having Tanner Morgan at least gives them a threat of a pass. With There was no threat of a pass when Minnesota went to Penn State last week, and that's why Penn State was able to take control of that game. And, uh, and Rutgers coming off that Indiana win, they had to feel like, hey, we got a chance here. Minnesota looks vulnerable. But then when, when Tanner Morgan played, well, <laughs> they were not not as vulnerable anymore. And and uh, Rutgers was never really in this one. Of course, if you don't score any points, it's really hard to win. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would agree with that. <laughs> uh, finally, we go to Iowa City where the Hawkeyes hosted Northwestern. Northwestern has not been good this year. They were not good in this game, and Iowa had a 10-0 lead after one, a 20-0 lead after half or at halftime, and uh, although Northwestern was able to threaten to make a game of it, uh, they never were able to actually make a game of it, and uh, Iowa wins 33-13. Spencer Petras actually threw for over 200 yards in this game. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a redemptive game for Spencer Petrus, but let's face it. I mean, Northwestern, we'll talk about them here. Uh, but Northwestern is, is just so bad that I think this was kind of, you know, a tremendous opportunity that Iowa took full advantage of to try and figure out what they wanted to do offensively. And Spencer Petrus looked actually decent. Mm -hmm. Is Northwestern bad enough to be Pat Fitzgerald should worry about his job bad. Not yet. I think this is just an Ohio State fan's opinion. I think he has built up so much goodwill uh, from not only his playing days, but what he has done since he took over for the late Randy Walker years ago that um, I think this year, I I, I think it's, I mean, let's, let's face it. it, It's, it's looking like, okay, they're, they're probably going to wind up with only the one win. But um, I think there's going to be some major staff changes in the offseason, or there better be, because to your point or uh, the point of your question, I think um, a, ref- a refusal or an inability to recognize that drastic change is necessary on both sides of the ball would put him squarely on the hot seat going into 2023. Yeah, it's interesting that you brought up goodwill, because I think that's where he got his defense. ouch ouch (laughs) yeah i mean you're giving up 33 to iowa come on (laughs) that's not that's not good no no not not at all uh so northwestern will host the buckeyes at noon on saturday at ryan field in evanston illinois uh other games uh, we have we have a lot more games this week chip Uh, minnesota goes to nebraska Uh, both of those teams trying to stay in that west race uh, Iowa will go to Purdue. Purdue is, is sort of lurking right there, trying to keep pace with Illinois, and uh, they need that game. But I mean, I'm interested to see how Iowa's defense does against Purdue's offense. That should be a good matchup. Right. I think you know, as you said a moment ago, I think Iowa and Purdue are lurking. Uh, I think Purdue, you know, in terms of the fact that they had this this week off. Uh, maybe they they figured out, you know, this is what we want to do uh, against Iowa. They, they they're trying to they're trying to keep pace with Illinois, but um, it might be, you know, it might come down to the game on November twelfth against Illinois, like to, in terms of who's going to win the Big Ten West. Yeah, uh, in Madison, there's a game that both teams have to win: Maryland at Wisconsin. So it'll be interesting to see which team gets the W there. 
and not the W's on the side of the Badgers helmets. Uh, Illinois will host Michigan State, and that will be, um, you know, I, I don't think there's such a thing as a lock when it comes to Illinois football. They are up suddenly ranked in the top 15, and Michigan State's not great. I, I like Illinois in this game. Oh, I do too. I think I don't think it's going to be anything, you know, really to get excited about. I mean, I, kind of what we've been talking about. Illinois is very content in running the ball. They are very they're very sound defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think it'll be. It wouldn't be surprising to me that it's low scoring. But Illinois, I definitely feel comfortable saying that I I think Illinois is going to win this game. Yeah, Illinois. We'll have to see how they can run against Michigan State. Michigan State probably took a lot of confidence in being able to hold Michigan to field goals and and be able to slow down their run game. But the Illini um, will be at home in Memorial Stadium, so we'll we'll see how it goes. In the other Memorial Stadium, Indiana will host Penn State, so Penn State will probably bounce back against the Hoosiers, who are one and four in Big Ten play. And uh, Michigan goes to Rutgers. I don't think we're going to see the close game we saw between those two teams last year. No, I, I definitely think the Wolverines are going to they're going to try and win this. You know, kind of what we were just talking about with Illinois. Uh, you know, just just running the ball, and I think that it's not going to really require too too much effort from the from uh, Michigan because I think Rutgers. I think that they just kind of they don't have a lot to to try and keep pace with the with the Wolverines. If if I were Jim Harbaugh, and thankfully I'm not, <laughs> I think I would just throw the ball every down against Rutgers until like if things weren't working and you needed to start scoring points in the second half. I think I would use Rutgers as a as a as a testing ground for my young quarterback and my passing game. It's not necessarily a bad idea. Um, just I, I guess. You know, and again, as you as you stated, you know, like if I was Jim Harbaugh and I will I will echo what you said. I'm glad that you're not um, <laughs> that. But uh, in all sincerity, that um, I think Jim Harbaugh, this this team and I know we're going back a while, um, the style of play, it reminds me of when he was at Stanford, you know, that he mm. now granted he doesn't have an Andrew Luck, but I think he is very content to just run the ball and run the ball, you know, kind of in the, almost in the mindset of, of his mentor, Bo Schembechler, you know, like just running the ball and controlling the clock. So I think you, you raise a really good point. I just think that, you know, in his mind, he would just rather run the ball. Um, and if they don't win by a lopsided score, he's okay with that. Yeah. Well, as Homer Simpson would say, boring. <laughs> <laughs> What do you make of the tunnel incident uh, at the big house on Saturday night? Wow. Um, the footage of it is extremely disturbing. Yeah. Um, and um, I'm glad that Michigan state is, you know, that they have suspended the, the four individuals who are suspected to have participated. Um, I have no doubt that charges will be forthcoming. Um, I will say uh, that I think it is incumbent upon the Wolverines to beef up security going forward because um, last year up in Ann Arbor, 
I mean, the, it seemed like there was an incident that almost happened between Ohio State and Michigan. I know mm-hmm. uh, when Penn State went up there, and I know that both teams for years have taken the, the tunnel. But I just think, okay, it it it's probably it's probably important for Michigan to recognize we need to um, adjust our protocol in that tunnel regardless of all right the one team goes in way before the other um we need to have security in there to make sure that you know the the teams don't interact with each other and i know that that's all psychological uh for michigan to try and establish dominance over whoever their opponent is to come out and trash talk but uh, okay i i think you've had this incident now okay for you to continue to allow these kind of things to continue, then it, then it's, then it's on Michigan for, you know, not, you know, not taking this seriously. Yeah. Having one tunnel doesn't make any sense for, uh, for both teams to go down it. And I know that they're kind of handicapped with what they can do with this. I hesitate to call it a building. It's a structure. It's essentially a pit built into a, a, like a little Valley, like a, a gully. And it's not, if you've ever been to Ann Arbor and seen the stadium, it's only like a story off the ground. When you look at it from outside, maybe two stories. Is that, is that accurate? Seem accurate to you? And then when you get into the structure itself, then it's like all of it is downward. I've never been in. I, I I've seen it from the road. I kind of, I kind of treat that whole location kind of like how like obi-wan kenobi spoke to luke about most easily <laughs> you know like a more wretched hive of, of villainy. villainy yeah you know yeah. um Fair. but i've never i've never been but I, in terms of the way that you're describing it because uh, again you know like the fact that it is built into the ground like as you said you know kind of like a pit it's a hole um, in the ground chip their big house <laughs> is a hole in the freaking ground so, uh, yeah, getting back to, you know, what can they do? You know, like they, they really are, they are limited, but that kind of goes back to my point that, all right, you're starting to have these incidents that from what I saw of the footage that the support staff was, was very limited in terms of, you know, like they didn't, you know, really have the, the numbers there to break up that, you know, break up that fight. And I also think that, you know, hey, you can you can have additional security in there. You know, I know it might cost uh, some some dollars, but yeah, like, why don't you have, you know, additional security in there to keep the team separated? If you're not going to if you're not if you're not going to do something, then don't be surprised if more and more of these kind of incidents take place. I don't understand how the one Michigan guy got in the middle of that whole he he ran into it. He ran he like from what I saw before him going into the, like he actually ran ahead. I think he was actually kind of skipping ahead, you know, like that's what it looked like. He wasn't wearing a football uniform. Like, he, you know, I'm not sure if he was injured or if he was just like a red shirt or whatever, but he kind of skipped ahead, you know, after the win and, and, and was way ahead of his teammates and was fully in the, the, the midst of the Michigan state players. I'm not excusing what happened. I'm just saying right. that, okay, you don't put yourself in those kind of positions, but it goes back to what I've been saying that I think, all right, you need to, all right. I, you know, like Joel Klatt on, uh, on, you know, on his show was saying, Hey, you know, you can maybe like have some kind of a simple rope divider 
between the, the two locker rooms, something to try and make this a, a little more manageable. But I, I think to my point of, all right, you're the visitors, you go in first and we'll go in after regardless yeah. of win or loss. Yeah. It, it, it shouldn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. Uh, but you know, this is what the risk that you run when you have a hole in the ground instead of a nice football cathedral, like the horseshoe. There you go. Exactly. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer. He can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Chip, the Northwestern Wildcats, they are not good this year, but you never know when an underdog can jump up and bite you or an undercat in this situation. Uh, But we don't expect that. We expect this to be a game that Ohio State can handle. The, The key here is get in, stay healthy, get your win, Get out, maybe get some playing time for Kyle McCord. Maybe let him throw a football past the sticks a couple of times, and uh, and get ready for the following week because uh, these the season's winding down. You've got uh, Indiana coming as we hit. We'll hit into uh, mid November, and we'll get uh, get the team back at home after the the two straight road games. Then a trip to Maryland, which is going to be a very big game and a potentially a trap game before the game. So uh, you want to get in and out of this one without any struggles and without any injuries. Right. I'm glad that you mentioned getting Kyle McCord some work. I'm certainly hoping that that's the case because this game certainly seems like a, a very strong candidate that would allow for such a thing. I, th- I think it's extremely important that Kyle McCord does get that work in in the event, heaven forbid, something happened to C.J. Stroud, you want um, you know, Kyle McCord to have uh, some legitimate game experience. Uh, so I think Northwestern and you mentioned Indiana. Um, I think these are two very good candidates uh, for Kyle McCord to, to get some very much needed game experience. Um, and as I completely agree with something else you said, and that is, okay, get in and get out hopefully healthy. Uh, there are some big games looming on the schedule and there are a number of players on the roster that, uh, you know, I think Ohio state can get a very sizable lead. There's no reason why you have to keep your starters in, in the second half. Let's try and get the, the starters out and get the backups in and just win on the road and, you know, get ready for the stretch run in November. Yeah, I think these next two games are games that you should be able to 
having a, a big enough lead that you feel comfortable in, even in the first possession of the third quarter, sending your backups in. And if, if things don't go well, you can always put your starters back on the field if you need to. But um, it, it's time to get some of these guys some reps and to get some of the starters some rest and keep them fresh for the, you know, there's, a, there's that fine line you got to walk between, um, you know, losing momentum and, and, and getting, keeping your guys fresh. But I, I think that they, this time of year, you can play a half a game against Northwestern. I don't think you need to play four quarters. If you have a 30 point lead, I don't think there's any reason at all. We should see any of the offensive starters out there and probably none of the defensive starters. I completely agree. And let's face it. Uh, you know, it's a kind of thing where um, we need to see, you know, in terms of like within the secondary, you mentioned um, some of the issues that um, Ohio State ha- has had in that position group, as well as along the offensive line, the running back area. I mean, it's it's in Ohio State's best interest to rest those players who might be, I don't want to say ailing, but, you know, Nixon bruises at this time of year, it's completely understandable. So let's get those backups in. Some of these guys have been nursing things all year, like guys like Mike Hall. And um, obviously Mayan Williams has been nursing some stuff all year. So it it would be good if they can give Mayan the whole week off and, and maybe even two, depending on how much he needs and how much, like we don't really have anything to go on. They're not exactly very transparent with their injury news. No. So, um, so we'll have to see how it goes, but it, if uh, if the player says he's good, it generally means they're expecting to play the next week or at least be in uniform. So, uh, but again, you don't have to risk him. Don't risk him. I completely um, agree. All right, Northwestern Wildcats chip last week. We started on the defensive side of the ball, where you took Tanner McAllister. So we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball. And uh, what is your pick to click against the Northwestern Wildcats? All right, we were just talking about backups. And I realize um, he didn't play against Penn State. And I know that you said he might be nicked up, but I think now is the time to see what Dallin Hayden can do running the ball. I think uh, it's going to be extremely important, especially I'm of the belief that Mayan Williams is going to be rested regardless of what whatever that injury is. Like mm-hmm. you said, it's under it's under. You know, like it's kind of like Fort Knox in terms of like this, you know, like the the secrecy there. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to go with Dallin Hayden. Okay. Yeah. That if that report, uh, injury report was any more top secret, it would be um, in Lago Amar. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. That's a good one. I tend to think that when I pick Marvin Harrison Jr., he doesn't do well. It obviously looks like if I pick Julian Fleming, he also doesn't do well. So I'm going to go back to Emeka Ibuka, and okay. with the with the caveat that it's probably only going to be a half to half a game's worth of work, uh, but we'll prorate it, and I think he'll have a good half a game. So uh, we'll go with that. And then on the defensive side of the ball, uh, it ain't broke. Don't fix it, Tommy Eichenberg. Okay. But that leaves everything wide open for you because uh, the way that t- the defensive ends are playing. You probably can't go wrong with any of those guys. No. Um, I just think this is this is the kind of game where, uh, again, Northwestern, they're, they're struggling offensively, I mean, in, in so many ways. But, but 
where they actually do try to make a concerted effort uh, in terms of like trying to trying to move the ball is when they run it. Uh-huh. And again, this is going to be more on the fact that I think in the second half, we're going to see more and more of the backups. Uh-huh. And I'm going on on a limb here. I'm going with Tyleek Williams, who flashed okay. some flashed some against Penn State. Yeah. Um, and I just think we're going to see more and more of the, the backup defensive linemen, to your point about trying to keep people healthy and get the backups some some game experience i'm gonna go with tyleek williams this week yeah it seemed like he had a decent number of snaps this past week so that's a that's a good pick i like it you could probably uh, also throw maybe a cody simon or somebody like that in there right yeah i thought of him too as a, as a potential uh you know guy who could make some plays so, okay that just brings us to our score predictions chip this is uh the northwestern wildcats they have they have not played well defensively and on the other side of the ball they have not played great offensively uh they they are they're generally able to churn out a touchdown or two over the course of a game against most of their opponents um, and then maybe throw a field goal in as well. But uh, what do you think is going to happen on uh, Saturday at noon in uh, Evanston? Is It's going to be 11 a.m. their time. Right, right. Um, I saw that the, the point spread has moved up to 38. Um, okay. I, I feel comfortable that Ohio State will cover that. And okay. – I'm going to go Ohio State 56, Northwestern 7. It's very tempting to try and pitch the shutout. It wouldn't uh-huh. surprise me if it did, but I think that would be very presumptuous that Northwestern won't be able to move the ball in some limited fashion against the Buckeyes. All right. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna predict that the Noah Ruggles train keeps rolling and he gets a field goal this week. So I'm going to go 52 to 13 i think maybe some garbage time uh points uh lends itself to uh, northwestern getting to double digits okay so we'll see how it goes we'll come back next week of course we'll check in on our predictions and our picks to click it's always fun and uh we'll look ahead uh, this is a this is a i'm not gonna say it's a nervous week for me in terms of the buckeyes but i won't get to do my typical sit on the couch and watch them in the privacy of my own den. I will be in New York for my daughter's wedding. So I will, I believe get to see about the first half before I have to head to the venue. And, uh, and then I'll have to watch, catch the rest on, uh, on YouTube TV on the replay. So uh, I, I have it on, I have a DVR. So every Buckeye game gets, uh, gets stuck in my DVR so I can watch it later. Well, congratulations to you and and your family and your daughter on such a wonderful occasion. Um, you know, if anything, you know, I'll try not to spoil it too much with like tweets about did you see that play and things like that. <laughs> you know, to try not to twist that knife. Um, so yeah, as as uh, we mentioned, um, you know, this is Halloween, so you know, like the the treat was the the. Um, the verbal commitment of Caden McDonald, I would say mm-hmm. the trick um, Ohio state had two tricks. One of them being that the, the big 10 is on a six day hold. So we don't know when the Ohio state Indiana game is going to kick off until probably next week. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is the 2023 schedule. And I guess if I have to be positive about it, or if I have to say something positive about it is out of all the Ohio state football schedules, this is one of them. And that's a, that's as nice as I'm going to be about that. Cause it is a clunker in terms of the home game slot. 
Yeah, it's not the best schedule I've ever seen. Um, we were going to talk about that this week. I think we ran a little longer than we expected, considering there were there, there was no guest. And I did reach out to uh, to some folks uh, who covered Northwestern, but unfortunately uh, was not able to connect with them. Um, and uh, I was able to make contact with them, but then uh, their follow up wasn't great. So you know they're probably busy. Uh, doing whatever nerds do, and um, <laughs> so I didn't get to uh, to have a guest this week. Well, it's unfortunate. We always have. We always, you know, <laughs> when it comes to the off season, we always are trying to, you know, scrape by in terms of like, you know, some some topics. So we have plenty of time to look at what the twenty three, excuse me, the twenty twenty three schedule is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we can devote more time to it then. But yeah, it did come out, and like I said a few moments ago, the home the home slate is not really really appetizing in my humble <laughs> estimation. No, no, uh, it isn't. But uh, you know, that's it is what it is. But you're right. We'll have that in the off season. Well, of course, the the transfer portal is always a. Yeah, we can talk about. So that's good. But we will come back next week and we will recap the Northwestern Wildcats game. We'll, uh, of course, talk a little bit about the Indiana Hoosiers. You and I have to uh, we may have to record Sunday night and we may have to record Tuesday night, but we'll have to play it by ear. And I'll I'll keep in touch with you about that because uh, we want this to stay consistent in terms of when it drops. But if it if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I know you have something going on on our normal yep. recording night next week. And, of course, I'm coming back from New York, so we'll have to see how I'm feeling after the, the travel <laughs> on Sunday. Um, but I could probably scrape that up. I could probably, I'm a gamer. You know me. I'm a gamer. I, I That's true. That is true. <laughs> All right. And then, of course, uh, like I said, we'll, we'll find somebody. We'll get ready to talk about some Hoosiers. And uh, go from there. But uh, Chip, why don't we tell people where we can find us? We'll start with you. Where can people find you on the internet? I can be found on Twitter at Chip Minnick. Last name is spelled M-I-N-N-I-C-H. Like Michael, I am a contributor to Land Grant Holy Land. Look for an article previewing three things to watch from the Northwestern Wildcats dropping on the site around 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as well as a preview of the game between Ohio State and Northwestern on Athlon Sports. Nice. All right. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well, at Mike36Fan. And I'm at Land Grant Holy Land as the grumpy old Buckeye. My column drops on Mondays. And, of course, uh, it dropped this Monday about the Penn State game. Plenty of things to grump about uh, for this week. But, of course, it's all relative. Another big win, another 40 plus point performance for the Buckeyes. And, uh, you know, even though we really shouldn't grumble about games like this, uh, that's what we're here to do. And that's what I'm doing. So uh, go check out the grumpy old Buckeye at landgrantholyland.com. And you can follow our podcast on Twitter at Silver Bullets Pod. Do not put the E in silver, just S I L V R Bullets Pod. And we would love it if you'd write to us. You can write to us at silverbulletspod at gmail.com. This time you do put the E in. I know it's confusing, but Twitter, no E. Gmail, please use the E. Silverbulletspod at gmail.com. Drop us a line. Let us know how we're doing. Ask us a question. Uh, Provide some feedback or just say hello. Any of that's fine. Uh, Rate us, review us, give us 
give us five stars or however many stars. If you have to knock a star off because because you, you're not you just don't like Chip being so conservative about kicking field goals, <laughs> um, then you know we understand. But star ratings and subscriptions and uh, sharing and reviews, all of that stuff helps us out. So we appreciate any of that that you can do, and it costs you absolutely nothing. So. Uh, so there it is. That's uh, going to do it for this episode of the Silver Bullets podcast. Unless you have anything else on your mind, Chip? No, I hope you have a wonderful trip to New York. And again, congratulations to you and your daughter on such a wonderful occasion. Thank you, sir. It'll be a whirlwind tour. We're in on Thursday. We're out on Sunday. So that's a, it's a quick one. It's a quick one. Quick turnaround as they say. It's like when you have a... Uh, um, Sunday game in the NFL, and then you have to turn around and play on Thursday night. There you go. Yeah. That's how you think of it. That's how I think of it. That's how I think of most things. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, that'll do it. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, we have only one thing left to do before we see you next week, and that's to say, go Bucks. Go Bucks.